0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me back from Nashville and just in time to make some decisions, roster decisions. We'll go position by position, the questions we have, the questions the front office may have. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 585, and it starts now. Welcome to
1: Cardinals Cover 2.
0: Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it.
1: Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
0: He's at the 10, half the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. <laughs> Here's Craig Grealoux. Not saying I want to be a general manager or a personnel director. I don't think I want or certainly don't need that stress in my life. But Paul, it is fun to play those roles every now and then. The thing
1: is, if you're indecisive, and uh, some of us are, uh, just ask my wife, um, you, know, you walk into like a big box store and I can't make a decision because there's too many choices. You know, that's where it can get really perplexing in a case like this, because <laughs> as we're about to find out here, uh, we can make a case for a lot of different guys for a lot of different reasons. But at the end of the day, you better be decisive. Sort of like making your read as a quarterback.
0: Make the read, make the throw. Always easier when you have a deadline to make those decisions yes. so you can't procrastinate. And the deadline is 1 p.m. on Tuesday. So let's kind of just go position by position what we've seen, what we've heard And we can start at the quarterback position. And when the head coach says, oh, yeah, I I think keeping three quarterbacks is what I would like to do, and I think it's necessary. And he gave a very compelling reason to keep three quarterbacks. So um, not that Cliff has the final say, but that's a pretty big say as far as how many quarterbacks will be on this final roster. And as a former third-string quarterback himself, (laughs) yes, I'm sure he has a bit of a soft
1: spot. There's no doubt about it. Now, the only pushback I would give you on that is whether he has the final call, whether Steve Kime might think or feel otherwise. We honestly don't know. Cliff Kingsbury has made his wishes known multiple times. Maybe, just maybe, he's trying to make an impression and and a convincing case uh, upstairs. I'm not exactly sure, but there are compelling reasons, no doubt. Number one... You don't want to pull a quarterback in the week of a game off of your cou- someone's couch, right, and he does no clue about your playbook. Not only does he have a tough time executing, but the rest of that locker room has a tough time believing in that guy if they know he doesn't know the playbook. Plus, there's a situation with Cole McCoy. He went most of August without throwing a football so where does that leave him exactly? All indications are he's tracking to be 100% you know, by the time we get to Kansas City in week one. But I think those two areas combined make a compelling case. The only pushback, I guess I would say, is if you cut Trace McSorley, is somebody really going to claim him and keep him on their roster for the minimum three weeks? That's Correct. what it is, right? So I don't know.
0: You you might be able to get away with it, but it's risky. Carolina with the uncertainty of Sam Darnold missing some time. I mean, there's there are teams that are always looking to upgrade that position, but to your point with Colt McCoy, now Cliff postgame Saturday from Nashville did say he expected Colt to be full-go game week. So not this week, but next week when the team returns after the Labor Day weekend and be ready. So, But you're right, we have not seen Colt McCoy throw 11-on-11. 11 11. He's done some individual drills, Some position drills, but not a lot of throwing based off the arm soreness that we were told. And here's the thing. Let's just say Kyler
1: has to miss some time. What are you missing with a Colt McCoy? Obviously the legs, the running dynamic. And you could easily have a package for a Trace McSorley if Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback. You could have that third and one, that fourth and one. Areas where they would check in a Chris Strebler at times over the last couple of years, that could easily be Trace McSorley, the career rushing leader for quarterbacks in the history of Penn State football. He's very good with his legs. You need a two-point conversion, for example. You know, if Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback, well, on a two-point conversion, is Colt McCoy a threat to run it to the pylon? No. But Trace McSorley is. Guy runs a sub 4 six. So, uh, you know, there is there is a part of the playbook and the game plan where I could see him
0: being viable during the regular season. We did see it in the preseason, the ability for McSorley to roll out of the pocket, buy some extra time, be like Kyler Murray, using his legs to find that open receiver, allow that receiver to get open to throw the football. And he is, no nothing against Cole McCoy, but he is... Just a little bit more mobile and athletic than the veteran quarterback. And he's a lot more polished
1: in terms of being a passer than a Chris Strebler. As much as we love mandatory Strubler, and he had a great end to the preseason. I knew you were going to bring that up. Man, he had a nice, he got a shout out from Joe Flacco after the Jets finale. But look, when you get into a regular season situation and you have complex coverages and blitz schemes, and you got to set the pass pro and you got to know where to go with the football. Obviously, Chris Trevler struggled with that. Trace McSorley, he does have some game experience. He's the one quarterback on this roster who's thrown an NFL touchdown pass in the regular season to Hollywood Brown. So you have that going for you. And and, and look, once again, I cannot tell you how many times you've lost a game before you ever kicked it off if the rest of the team doesn't believe in the quarterback going into that game. And if you're just going to pull some scrub off the street the week of the game because you have a catastrophe injury-wise at quarterback, and you never know Kyler and the way he plays the game and his track record and Cole McCoy being 35 years of age, it's not outside the realm of possibility. So for that reason, Cliff Kingsbury has made his case repeatedly for Trace
0: McSorley. So we're in agreement. Three quarterbacks make the roster. Now, the big debate on offense is the running back. How many do you keep? I think four is typically what teams keep. Now, this is more of a pass-happy offense. Does this team maybe go a little bit lighter and keep three? Of course, when you have a loaded running back room and the talent, do you really want to give up or allow a Eno Benjamin or a Darrell Williams or Jonathan Ward to play elsewhere? Do you keep that fourth running back? And then the question is, all right, if you got four, who's on the outside? I tell you, we've gone back and forth on this, and we've
1: gone back and forth on the names, on the number of running backs. We can hash this out every which way till Tuesday. Here's the thing. If you can trade one of these guys for a corner, you do it in a hot second. I think that's the first option, the most desirable option if you're Steve Kime. Is that enough to get a legit corner? Uh, Third, fourth, fifth string running back? Probably not but you would make it part of a package. Now, if there's no trade there on the horizon, yeah, you got a tough decision. Now look, going into that Tennessee game, I was thoroughly convinced it was Darrell Williams against Eno Benjamin for that last spot. Musical chairs, somebody's going to be left standing. Both of them made plays. Both of them came out a lot earlier than I thought. Uh, We were expecting both those guys to split time over the entire first half. Instead, they split time over the first quarter, and then Keontae Ingram picked up the last three quarters. I don't think they're cutting Keontae Ingram. He does everything well. Drew Stanton said exactly that, what we had seen in camp, said that during the final preseason game. You see him run the ball. He's very patient. You see the power running. He's breaking arm tackles, dragging defenders. He's able to get the edge. He did that at one point against the Titans, and he got up the the sideline with his burst of speed. He's excellent catching. He's very good at pass protection. He once played at 240-plus as a fullback, a blocking fullback at Texas. Now he's more like 225-ish. And, and here's the thing. He's also very good... On special teams, he's been schooling and training with Dennis Gardak and, and he's become a pretty adept tackler in the open field for a guy who's never done it before.
0: Looking at the snap counts from Saturday, Ingram fifty nine out of a possible seventy one. You know Benjamin, eight. Darrell Williams, five. Wow. So I don't I don't know how to read into right. that. I mean, you wanted to get Ingram some reps to see what he can do. Now you did. Now if you decide, okay, well let's try to sneak him onto the practice squad, clear waivers, is he able to based off that tape that he put out on Saturday? And that is possible.
1: And look, for as much as we love Keonta Ingram, you know, the rest of the league, is someone really gonna claim the nineteenth running back in the draft? We know how loaded that position is in the NFL, and because of it, it isn't valued like some other position. So it is feasible, possible, plausible. You cut Keontae Ingram, and you do get him to the practice squad. However, I still think it's Eno Benjamin. He's in the final year of his contract. If they can't get anything for him, I think they put him out on the street. He probably does get picked up. It was about a week or two ago. I was talking to a couple of assistant coaches on the offensive side, and they were adamant. We have five Week 1 running backs on this roster. Now, are all five going to be on this roster? No, but there are five legitimate Week 1 running backs. That's how talented the room is. You know, Benjamin made, him, hey, made a heck of a catch on that 20-yard grab. Uh, you know, he has skills. There's no doubt about it, but he doesn't have a big role on special teams. And the return game that he does offer is matched or exceeded by guys like Greg Dortch. So for that reason, if you made me bet who's the odd guy out, I would say it is Eno Benjamin.
0: You have to wonder just how healthy Jonathan Ward is with this discussion as well because does that injury – the shoulder injury factor into, okay, he makes the initial 53, but then after that, you put him on short-term IR. How serious is the shoulder? Now, I'll say this, watching the television broadcast, of course, I was watching it, but listening to yourself and Drew Stanton on the call. Dang. because Because you know, that's just what I do. But Jonathan Ward standing next to Cliff Kingsbury looked to be okay. Didn't notice anything, wearing anything, no arm in the sling or whatever. So, I mean, I mean, we're trying to read into a lot here, but I think he's healthier than what we've been told. And
1: the way that he described it, the head coach, as a minor thing, It didn't, you didn't get the sense it was going to be a long-term injury. And look, Cliff is pretty honest with the media most of the time with that kind of stuff, if it's not good news, he usually or he's not willing to share, then he doesn't. He just doesn't like like the Antonio Hamilton. We have no idea. You know, instead of just flat out getting up there and triggering the lie detector, he just he's more apt to just say nothing in the absence. So it's the absence of information. I think sometimes that's more concerning than him giving us false or misinformation, that doesn't typically happen. So I think we can believe the head coach, when he talks about it, is more of a minor shoulder injury for Jonathan Ward.
0: So three or four running backs, I think I'd lean more towards the latter. It's just a matter of, okay, who is numbers three and four in uh, that room? I mean, going with three, wow. I mean, you're leaving a lot lot on the table there
1: in terms of talent. Here's the other thing. When you get to tight end, if that's where you're going next, you know, how do you account for Max Williams? Uh, And then Steven Anderson, you know, because Steven Anderson is sort of that H-back slash fullback, and we have seen that in the preseason. We've seen two backs, you know, in the gun, flanking the quarterback, sort of an offset eye, shotgun formation, and, you know, Steven Anderson, until he got dinged up, he was having a heck of a camp, and he offers a lot of different things that you can do in the offense, especially when Trey McBride, you know... Did he get a single target? He didn't get a target against the Titans, did he?
0: Let me double check. You, but Look you're right, because I, listening to the broadcast, you guys were kept bringing up Trey McBride and the fact that, you know, he's just not showing up anywhere. I and mean, you're I mean, right. How, how many snaps did he get and how many targets did he get? Bernhard Sykovitz got four targets, three catches, so mandatory psycho for you. But yeah, Trey McBride did not get a single target wow. in that entire game. Right. So think about that. He's still unproven. Is he uber-talented? Yes.
1: Have we seen plays in practice 11-on-11 11 11 during the open portion where he's made some great catches in traffic? Absolutely. He looks pretty stout in the old in the outside linebacker uh, tight end drills, but he's yet to do it in a regular season game. And for that reason, I think that's why they value a Steven Anderson.
0: 35 snaps for wow. McBride. Significant. Sykovitz,
1: 39. Okay, there you go. So, Do they still get a roster spot for Psycho as the international player? He's an exempt player. He is. So okay. he can
0: wind up back on the practice
1: squad. But then he would not be eligible to play Correct. at he, any point during yes. this regular season. Same rule as last gotcha. year. Okay. And that's most likely going to be his destination. Has he made a lot of strides, a lot of improvement? Yes. But is he going to crack this roster so that he's eligible to play at some point this year? That would be unlikely.
0: By the way, you keep bringing up Victor DiMuchegi is the most improved player. Yep, and Because get, he is. And you get pushback on that. But I'll throw in Bernhard Seikovitz, because yeah. from where he was yeah, to absolutely. where he is now, yep. I mean, I don't know if yep. there's a bigger improvement. Now, yep. you're talking about someone who had zero, <laughs> literally <laughs> right. ground level, right. to now well, where maybe he's at a three or a yeah. four if you're working your way to a ten.
1: Well, because it can always get worse, it does for Ron Wolfley. So his choice, Andy Isabella, is no longer second. Isabella is third most improved because you're right, Bernhard Sykovitz is the
0: second most improved player behind Victor D. Munchagy. So with that tight end room, before we hit the wide receivers and you bring up Isabel, uh, Andy Isabella, four tight ends, but how much... 12 personnel, 13 personnel. How many tight ends are we going to see on the field at the same time? And the given of Max Williams, how healthy is he with respects to football health? How viable is he within this offense? So maybe, maybe more likely three tight ends with Max Williams is the big question mark. I mean,
1: we saw Max Williams, full pads, full contact. You saw him 11 on 11. In the preseason, during practices, you didn't see him in the games. You only saw him in practice. But what does that mean? Now, without DeAndre Hopkins, agree if you told me they're going to come out and go 12 personnel, Remember, they went 13 personnel to start the game in Dallas last year, and and I had to take a knee on the sideline. And Greg Dortch actually got a catch and a run out of that because I think the Cowboys were so thrown to start the game. Like, wait a minute, Cliff Kingsbury has three tight ends on this field? Is this is how he comes back to Texas with a 13 personnel set? So it can happen. And minus DeAndre Hopkins, especially when Cliff's going in against Patrick Mahomes in Week 1 and Andy Reid. Heck, I, 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 I'm not willing to forecast anything. I mean, he could be so creative with different personnel and formations. Who knows what's coming to start that game against KC because he's had an entire offseason to sit there and create on his play sheet.
0: Well, and we've seen tight ends now. It's not the back-in-my-day tight end where you're in a three-point stance and you're blocking all the time. Zach Ertz flaring out as a receiver. Maybe even that ex receiver or in the slot. Trey McBride lined up as a receiver. So you see... 12 personnel, but it's really four wide receivers out on the football yeah.
1: field. And even Steven Anderson really played mostly fullback a couple of those years with the Chargers. He's always on the move. He's in the backfield. He's flexed out. He's he's an inline tight end. He's anywhere and everywhere. So that gives Cliff Kingsbury a lot of possibilities with Steven Anderson, just like those other two guys. And Zach Ertz remember Zach Ertz starting Cardinals camp. Getting a shout out from the head coach and how good he looked, and how he spent every day of the offseason working with JJ Watt and Buddy Morris. You know, he's really an unknown right now because I think we have to go back and remember a healthy Zach Ertz. Could, have a, could once again recapture his Pro Bowl production easily, especially minus DeAndre Hopkins the first six games.
0: Calf injury is limited what we've seen so far out of Zach Ertz. Will that change this week or next week? But definitely want to see Ertz on the practice field next week. That brings us to the wide receiver room. And remember, no DeAndre Hopkins. He will not count against that 53-man limit. So now you're looking at, all right, Six wide receivers? Five wide receivers? Is this another room maybe you go a little bit lighter to go heavier somewhere else? But when you're talking about five or six, that number six is the real question mark because I think we're both in agreement. If you go six, it's Andy Isabella. If you don't go six, then Isabella's somewhere else playing for an NFL team.
1: And just like an Eno Benjamin or one of the running backs – If you can make a deal for Andy Isabella and trade him away, especially in your attempt to secure a cornerback, which is a four-alarm fire right now, then you do it. But there's no way they're cutting Andy Isabella. No way. I I, I do not see that happening, both because of his performance, because of his pedigree as a former second-round pick because of the uncertainty in terms of injuries to start this season in the receiver room, not only the absence of a DeAndre Hopkins, what's the deal with Antoine Wesley? What's the deal with Rondell Moore? Although Rondell Moore was working out before the Titans game and he was running sprints and so forth with about 40 other guys warming up before the game. And 43
0: players Four. dressed for that yes. game on yeah. Saturday.
1: 43. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. There were, there were more guys, literally more guys in sweats on the Cardinals sideline than in uniform. That's just the way it is in 2022. So for all those reasons combined, uh, Andy Isabella, I think, is on this team. Greg Dorch is definitely on this team. There's no question. And and those two guys, and they got a shout-out from the head coach after the game during our post-game radio interview for being the two guys who brought it every single practice, every single rep. Nobody had a camp like those two guys, and they pushed each other. They were off-season training workout partners, um, and it just kept going day after day, rep after rep throughout this preseason.
0: Dort, six catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown on Saturday. Isabella, though, had the better numbers. Five catches, 115 yards, a long of 74, twice tackled at the one-yard line. Otherwise, he would have had perhaps two touchdowns in that game on Saturday. I want to go back to Saturday nights, and you and Drew Stan had the opportunity to speak to Isabella post game, and I want to share this with the rest of the bird gang because this was Andy Isabella unlike we have heard in his entire brief run with the Arizona
2: Cardinals. Andy how'd you feel about that performance? Amazing it was a great performance and uh, that's what I do when I go out there and play. Your confidence is higher than ever isn't it? Absolutely it has to be. And what's behind that? Uh, Just just I know I mean I put in the work all offseason and I get my strength with great faith in uh, God's plan for me. And I got a lot of kids that watch me that I've trained with over this off season, looking for me for motivation. So when I step on that field, I know I'm doing this for, I have a bigger purpose. I really have a purpose for these kids to inspire these kids that are watching me and, um, you know, my brothers and sisters to be inspiration for them.
1: Cliff Kingsbury just expressed the amount of respect he has for you and Greg Dorch. That, the fact you guys showed up every practice, every rep according to your head coach what do you hope you just showed your head coach over the last
2: month sure that we're willing to stay in the fight when it gets tough um when it get practices it gets tough when the days get tough me and greg we still there and um i think that's going to go a long way just in football life and whatever when the going gets tough sure we don't back down we don't get back up and keep going
1: andy isabella is our guest had a heck of a performance tonight I tell you what, your press conference uh, not too long ago still resonates. Post-game press conference where you said, and I quote, "They can do whatever they want. They ain't going to break me." What do you mean by that?
2: I mean, I think I was overlooked. I think they turned their back on me, um, but I overcame again, and I think that's maybe why I operate best. I've been overlooked my whole life, uh, coming out of UMass and Mayfield. Everything, um, and that motivates me. And um, but I know my purpose is is. My, my purpose that God gives me is to inspire these kids to look up to me and my family. And um, so when I go out there, I really remember that. And that motivates me to go hard every play, even when I'm tired, even when I don't want to show up. I know I have a greater purpose. Well, I'll tell you
1: what, no one has showing up in the preseason like you, Andy. And, and I know you said recently that you might think, quote, it's too late here, but you know you can play in the league. What do you think, I, Drew? And I look at each other. We're like, "There's no way this final 53 doesn't include number 17." What's your feeling right now?
2: Sure, I want to play. So whoever's going to play me, um, I hope that's where I go. And if it's here, if they're going to give me reps. Then uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to make plays and happy to impact, uh, make an impact for this team. Um, so I hope uh, that's the case. I love Arizona, and we're going to see what happens. You hear that, Paul? And I'm
0: reminded of when he was drafted in 2019 long time ago and the first time we heard from andy isabella i believe it was you and ron wolfley right here inside the dignity health arizona cardinals training center big red rage and that andy isabella fast forward to what we heard saturday night two different people two different players and it's because
1: there's two different mindsets i agree the before and the after What you heard three years ago on the Big Red Rage and Andy Isabella, who had made a couple of plays, including that 88-yard catch and run against the 49ers early in his career, and you saw the speed and he housed it on that one, and he got behind the Niners secondary after making the grab. uh, That was a guy who was very honest and forthright that, you know what, his confidence wasn't always there. That's not the same guy you just heard. He came out and he still had his game face on after the game. It was palpable, the intensity during that interview, he, he came out and he was still locked in. He started camp locked in. He ended camp locked in. Everybody else is in that locker room saying, all right, what are they serving on the team? Playing preseason? Oh, no, not Andy Isabella. He he was still fuming. He has taken all of this personal. And and you heard it and you saw it on the field with his production. And if I'm the coaches. I love it. Uh, He is poised. And everyone asks, okay, well, what could his role be in the regular season? Well, wait a minute. If Rondale Moore is going to be more of a downfield guy, at the very least, Andy Isabella could be this year's Rondale Moore, the horizontal, lateral guy. Get him in space, get him in the ball. Every single game, he got behind the opponent's secondary. He got behind the Cardinals' starting secondary in camp. We both saw, agree. At the very least, he has that ability to draw a big P.I. penalty, a spot foul that turns into a chunk play, and uh, you know what? He he is a smoldering fire that everyone else can feed off of. That's the sort of evolution from a guy who was a little bit timid to start.
0: Now he is fierce in his personality. He's playing angry, and sometimes that can be a detriment to someone because then you're a little bit too aggressive, too hyped up, but that might work for Andy Isabella, and he might need – to be able to do that in order to have success like yeah. the Cardinals thought when they drafted him back in 2019. And you know what? The way last season ended, not just losing five of your last six,
1: but just the humiliation of that playoff loss on national TV in prime time, you would hope more guys would have that mindset. You would hope that more guys – would be irked and truly ready to come out and show the world that 7-0, and 10-2 was not a fluke. And there's no doubt Andy Isabella has that mindset. Greg Dortch has that mindset. And you would hope that's contagious within the Cardinals locker room because, once again, it was palpable just listening to it. Drew Stanton and I immediately looked at each other like, wow, Interesting. And then, you know, we just gave him the floor and, and let him talk and, and share his mindset because it was a pleasure to watch him work in practice and in the games. He, he, nobody took it as serious as Andy Isabella.
0: Put it this way not that I don't always appreciate the post game interviews that you conduct. And it has nothing to do with the interviewer, okay, more, likely, more likely the interviewee, mm-hmm. but that was one of those interviews, even the day after. Heck, even here on this Monday morning, you're still talking about it, thinking about it, and it's, wow, where did that come from? Who is that player? And you know what?
1: When you had a joint practice with a Titans team, you realize how blessed the Cardinals are at the receiver position. Because when you're looking at the Tennessee Titans and they have Robert Woods as their number one receiver, okay, he's a nice piece, but he's in year 10 or 11. He's coming off an ACL. He's your number one receiver. Uh, Traylon Burks has been very inconsistent, the first-round rookie taken 18th overall. Uh, you have a Kyle Phillips, a fourth-round rookie out of UCLA, who has really made waves in Titans camp. Well, yeah, that's because you're really thin at receiver. You forget how thin other teams are at one of the most important positions in the NFL in today's game, the receiver room. So I'm curious, if he is on the trade block, what would an Andy Isabella command? Because of the speed? Because of the production you saw? A former second-round pick? I don't know. Can you package him up with a running back and a pick and get an actual legitimate corner? Now, the problem is cornerbacks are just as difficult, if not more difficult, to secure. and, And teams value them. But maybe there's someone at the end of a contract that you know teams don't want to pay. I don't know what the Cardinals do at corner, but if you can package up a couple of these offensive guys we're talking about and cash it in on the defensive side, that would
0: be an ideal situation. Last position group on the offensive side, the offensive line, 9, 10. What is the number? You dress 8 on game day. I'll say this, though. The debut of Cody Ford, it was just one series, but it was interesting to point out and watch... When that team ran the ball, when the Cardinals ran the ball, they were running left.
1: Yep, and it was sort of like the Cincinnati game where they ran behind Will Hernandez. This time they ran behind Cody Ford, and man, that offensive line got a push, and it was an easy touchdown. Darrell Williams just walked right into the end zone. Uh, So Cody Ford, I see him as a very, very similar to Will Hernandez in that situation. He's playing for the next contract, former high second-round pick. Similar body type, sort of that six foot three refrigerator type. You are not moving him off the ball. What is this pass protection like? That's the question mark, just like it will hernandez. There's no doubt they're both going to come off the ball and they're going to be maulers, they're going to be road graders in the run game. And and I think also you have a situation where because of circumstances, they were no longer valued by their original team, despite their high draft status, and they were deemed expendable. So okay, can they come into this situation? Can they excel? There's no doubt Cody Ford has made this team. Will Hernandez right now is a starter. So let's see here. Let's name some names. DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, Kelvin Beecham left to right. There's your five. Cody Ford is on this team. Sean Harlow is on this team. That's seven. Yes. Josh Jones. Sling gotta to tackle. On this. Yes. He's eight. Joshua Miles, he's on the bubble. Uh, otherwise, who am I forgetting here? Now, you get to the two rookies, Lasita Smith. I don't see Lucita Smith making the final 53. I think you can feasibly get him to the practice squad as much as they like his future. It's not right now. Marquise Hayes, I think, has made this team, despite his injury that robbed him of a lot of valuable reps down the stretch, I think he showed enough. And I think he has the mindset, much like a Cody Ford and a Will Hernandez, that mean streak that the Cardinals think they need, especially in this division going against the Nick Bosa's and the Aaron Donald's and the way the Seahawks love to dial up the front seven. I think Marquise Hayes, I have a hard time envisioning the Cardinals leaving him on the outside looking
0: in. Plays with an edge, which we heard DJ Humphreys talk about, and that's something you can't teach. But you hope that Marquise Hayes is not needed early in the season. If he can get just a little bit more practice time, some more development, and then plug in if needed. And then you talk about Rashad Coward, who at one point I thought was going to make this team, gets hurt Saturday night with a chest injury, but even before getting hurt, had not played all that well. There was a dip in production. Yeah, that Ravens
1: game was not good.
0: So, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, maybe now you're looking towards a younger player who can play inside. That opens up the door for a Marquise Hayes. What about a Justin Murray? What are your thoughts on, on a Justin Murray? Just haven't seen enough of him. The
1: frustration level with his injury history over the last year and a half has to be really high in the front office. A guy who came in off the street three years ago and started virtually every game at right tackle in a pinch and played really well and got, and got a lot better over the course of the season. He was your best right guard a year ago, but he missed 15 games. You know, What do you do about a guy like that? Is there an injury settlement in his future? Is he put on Pup in some way? Now, I don't know, but I I think Justin Murray is a tough decision that they just can't continue with him. Based, It's more on availability instead of ability.
0: Well, remember the battle at right guard. There was supposed to be a healthy competition amongst Will Hernandez, Justin Murray. I know Josh Jones was thrown into that mix by the general manager, but more let's see what we've got in a Will Hernandez and Justin Murray. And that was never a competition. Never. And it was always Will Hernandez, he might have gotten the first look, but then before Justin Murray was able to really do anything, he gets hurt and he's just stayed on the sidelines. I think the trade for
1: Cody Ford and the willingness to give up a fifth round pick for Cody Ford knocked out Rashad Coward and Justin Murray. That that one move there. And and if there's anything that's to be determined, it's who's going to be on the street, that's my understanding that it's not necessarily some of these younger or lesser guys it's who's out on the street at the end of this process and if there is another proven offensive lineman with positional flexibility there is a decent chance that player could come in
0: all right let's switch sides talk defense here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals and start with defensive line and you want a number of defensive linemen to keep that rotation going, but that also factors in, okay, maybe you need more outside linebackers, but when you look at that defensive line room, J.J. Watt, Zach Allen, Leckie Fautou, Rashard Lawrence, I think those are locks. Michael Dogby, I know, played a lot of snaps. In fact, behind Zach Allen, played the most snaps on the defensive line a year ago. And then Jonathan Ledbetter, I think, has had an outstanding camp and has really popped in these preseason games, as well as Manny Jones, although that's an undrafted rookie free agent that you might be able to slide onto the practice squad. I'm intrigued by Manny Jones and what he has shown. So this team, do they keep six, seven defensive linemen? More likely six. Question is, if it is six, who is number six? You know, I think this is where you
1: steal a spot. This is where you steal a spot for a loaded receiver room, for three quarterbacks, for three or four tight ends, this is where you steal a spot. You rob Peter to pay Paul, and you you only go with five. I, I, JJ Watt and Zach Allen, they're your starters. Zach Allen has had a heck of a camp. I think he's poised for a big year. And then Rashad Lawrence, Lucky Foe, and Michael Dogby. The fact none of those guys played in Tennessee, they're in. So, you know, does Jonathan Ledbetter, as good as he looked, Yeah, that's one of those final day cuts you have to make. And if you can get him to the practice squad, Manny Jones, an undrafted rookie of Colorado State, as much as we all loved watching 75, all his production was in the second half of preseason games. Does he have a great motor? Even in the drills, he would sprint in, he would sprint out. You know, That's just the way he is. And, and you saw him running down the field and running down ball carriers from behind. They love his motor, Manny Jones. But let's pump the brakes a little bit on an undrafted rookie out of Colorado State who only excelled in the second half of these preseason games. He's not cracking the 53.
0: So you go with five, and then how many times do we see three down linemen on that defense that Vance Joseph runs because there have been several times in the last couple of years where you just have two and you go a little bit heavier with trying to get into the backfield and then also maybe a little bit heavier depending on who you're playing as far as we need more coverage in the back end versus guys moving that offensive line let me just say
1: this did we not see Cameron Thomas in a four-point stance we did at times in the game Cameron Thomas the former nose tackle for San Diego State now listed as an outside linebacker and yes we've seen him down the field 20 yards in coverage on a tight end as well there's no doubt about that but in a pinch there's a package where if you need to load that line of scrimmage and stack the box he can easily get in that five four point stance as a five technique or whatever so I think Cameron Thomas is almost akin to a a swing offensive lineman he can play up and down that line and that's some of the justification for keeping a third-round rookie on this roster. Here's another name I'll just throw out there that, don't forget, a Corey Peters is still out yes. on the street. So if in need, knock on wood, you're not. But in case of injury, there is a veteran – Who's out in the street? You know, much like we talked to Darren Urban about some of these corners that are out there. Maybe you don't bring in that that big name corner until after Week One because now you're not beholden to a guaranteed salary the entire length of a season. But uh, Corey Peters could be a guy that you know they have that name on uh, on quick dial just in case.
0: I like the thought process on why. Perhaps this team goes lighter at defensive line and only keeps five. Where you can go a little bit heavier somewhere else and maybe heavier at outside linebacker trying to figure out who's going to get into the backfield, who's going to rush the quarterback. You know Marcus Golden is one as long as he is healthy enough and that toe gets healed up in time by week one. Wink, wink. Now, by the way, I do have a hot take a little <laughs> bit later. I, I, there's a hot take that might
1: involve the number four or fours. So remind me to bring that a little bit later. Love
0: the hot takes yeah, that Paul Calvisi yeah. brings on any number of platforms here on EZ Cardinals. Are you listening, KVB? <laughs> so elsewhere, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardak, those are known commodities. Skardek has looked outstanding. Yep, Kennard is rushing the quarterback more than we've seen him in the previous two seasons wearing a Cardinals uniform, much more like what he did with the Lions and the Giants. Victor DiMuchegi, I think we've already discussed him as far as the improvement that he yep. has made. And then there's the three edge rushers you drafted. Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, two third-round picks. You're not getting rid of either one of those. Nope. Now, the question mark is, has Jesse Laketta done enough, whether on – defense or special teams to where maybe Jeff Rogers says there's something with this kid. He becomes active on game day because of his ability to play yeah. special teams. And they like him and he's versatile
1: and he has more of a burst than they thought. Jesse Lucetta, for a guy who didn't run very well going into the draft and they, he's got a lot of dog. He plays tough. He plays the right way. He's sort of the defensive version of Lasita Smith. You, you like him. He, he has a future with his team. Potentially. But as a day three pick, you just can't justify keeping him on the final 53. And you don't figure that another team's going to put those guys on their final 53. So Alcita Smith and Jesse DelCad are two of the last names you cut, but they are going uh, going to be on the outside looking in and probably headed to the practice squad.
0: Something to think about because I at one point during training camp, I thought the entire draft class had the potential to make the roster. And that's, that's unheard of when you have, you know, day three picks and you hope that you're able to develop them not initially make the 53 man roster but I'm really fascinated to know what's going to happen at outside linebacker because if you did have if you did have that alpha as far as getting to the quarterback i.e. Chandler Jones then you might be able to go lighter at outside linebacker but we keep hearing well we're going to do it by committee I was okay well with the committee that means you need a number of people in that committee to get the job done it can't be a committee of two or three you need a number of different players if you're going to try to figure out what's the best way to disrupt the opposing quarterback
1: and once again that might be the cardinals competitive advantage at the edge spot this year is that you have so many different body types and pass rushing styles you can throw at a tackle whether it's a marcus golden versus a victor dimu who's been likened to an elvis doomerville Versus Devon Kennard, the Wiley veteran who's got almost a decade in this league. Nobody is like Dennis Gardeck, the pit bull. My Jay Sanders is long and lean with good explosions, similar you know, to a Chandler Jones look. I'm not equating him to Chandler Jones as a player, not at all, not yet. But then a Cameron Thomas, who's more of a power guy. And then, Gree, we've also seen Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins yep. off the edge at times. There are definitely packages in Vance Joseph's playbook where you see those two former first-round picks positioned off the edge, getting after the quarterback. So there's a lot of possibilities, and I think, once again, that's that's the Cardinals' competitive advantage. Do they have the big-name Pro Bowl pass rusher? No, but they have enough to give an offensive line a lot to think about every Sunday as to what exactly is coming snap to snap.
0: You bring up the two inside linebackers. I don't know how much we'll see Isaiah Simmons play naturally in inside linebacker position, but Simmons, Collins, they're making the team. Then you look at the others, Nick Vigil's making this team. He is your Jordan Hicks for this year as far as being that veteran presence. And then Tanner Vallejo, Joe Walker, Ezekiel Turner, guys that have made their mark on special teams, and Zeke certainly would like to play more defense. How many inside linebackers does this team keep when you have more need as far as Ed Rusher and perhaps more of a need in the secondary?
1: Do you have the numbers on Tanner Vallejo? Because he got a brief appearance in Tennessee, and man, we immediately called his number. You just see the smarts, the instincts. The, the intellect from a Tanner Vallejo, when he gets playing time, he is so productive. We saw him two years ago, the end of the 2020 season, where he came in and lurch at the Rams, and he had like a dozen tackles in three quarters. So I was curious what he ended up with, because I know we called his name at least twice, and he couldn't have had very many snaps against the Titans.
0: Two tackles, one tackle for loss, and Vallejo played just 12
1: snaps. There you go. So... He's on this team um, in terms of, you know, where it's going to. Joe Walker's on the outside looking in. That's just the way his career has gone. And I think that's the way it's going to continue. Ben Neiman, flash, but it was in the second half of preseason games. So once again, now are you including Isaiah Simmons? In this
0: linebacker room? I am, even though he's the star backer and he can fit in a number of different rooms. But yes, amongst inside linebackers, until, until the roster says otherwise, he's still listed at linebacker. So that's six. That's six if you're including,
1: because Zeke Turner is making this team. He is making this team. They are very bullish on the camp he had, and I think he's sort of a sleeper to get more regular season reps than everyone's anticipating, especially... If Zayvon Collins is still in learning mode and hasn't quite earned the trust of Vance Joseph yet to be on the field down on a down-by-down basis, I think Zeke Turner is a sleeper to get more snaps than we think. So yeah, there's a Joe Walker, a Chandler Wooten. These guys on the outside looking in. Chandler Wooten, for all the numbers he put up in the last two games of the preseason, he's a guy you're going to get to the practice squad as well.
0: Not a Not a great ringing endorsement from the head coach Saturday night on Zayvon Collins when you guys asked him post-game about the progress. Quote, it'll be a work in progress just going into his second year, but he's gotten better and better. Then he added, the read and react is for where I've seen the biggest improvement. End quote. And That's what's needed is the read and react. If you
1: could take the instincts and the experience of a Chandler Wooten, for example, a three-year starter in the SEC at Auburn and a team captain and put it into the body and measurables and athletic traits of a Zayman Collins, you would have an all-pro linebacker. So Zayman Collins still has to develop those instincts. The read and react, playing fast, the ability to shed blocks, use his hands, not his shoulder, don't get tied up by offensive linemen. Those are all things that he's continuing to work with. So here's the thing. Andy Reid would be most likely to do exactly what Kyle Shanahan did in Week 1, 2020. When they saw Isaiah Simmons out there as a raw rookie at inside linebacker. And what did they do? Here comes the wheel route out of the backfield. It was either Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson. I forget who it was. And 80 yards later, gone for the Niners' first touchdown of the game because they put that running back, that speedster on Isaiah Simmons. There was a slight hesitation, and it was too late. He got behind Isaiah Simmons. Jimmy G hit him. And there you go. The Niners had the lead. Now the Cardinals came back and won that game beyond like 14 catches from DeAndre Hopkins but I'll never forget that game for three reasons one the way it started Two, there was nobody in the stadium at Levi's, and three, it was also the NorCal Fires. You couldn't see beyond the upper deck as planes were landing at San Jose International.
0: When you just watch 25 on the football field and trying to figure out what's he doing, because big picture, it's it's hard to pinpoint individuals on defense when you're watching the game live, but if you go back and watch the broadcast, because you brought it up, leading with his shoulder, and what do you say last year he got hurt against the Browns hurt his shoulder and then re-injured it again against the Packers midway through the season but he leans with the shoulder and he I'll say this Saturday night he led with the shoulder and knocked the offensive lineman on his heels in order to make the tackle but how many times can you get away with leaning with the shoulder if already we saw last year you hurt the shoulder and you weren't able to see the football field
1: and that's a backup offensive lineman then he dominated Is he going to be able to do that with a starting offensive lineman who's going to play during the regular season? Most likely not. And that's part of the process because when he played, he played at a high school. It was such a small population in rural Oklahoma. He was so dominant for his size. He would literally just run through kids. And then he got to college, and he didn't have a bunch of big-time offers. He went to Tulsa, and then in that conference, on that roster, he's able to so dominant – Physically, he's able to run through guys and get to the ball carry. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to be able to extend your arm, shed the blocker, keep them off you. And so that is part of the process. But to come full circle on my thoughts, if he's on the field week one against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, there's no doubt they're going to target 25 and they're going to test him. So for that reason, I think we're all curious How many regular season reps is Zayvon Collins truly going to get to start this season?
0: All right, let's move to the third level of defense in that secondary. Looking at the cornerback position, this is a position that certainly we think, in fact, we've been talking about needs to be addressed and probably addressed yesterday, but it is coming Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, question mark with what's going on with Antonio Hamilton, Christian Matthew, the draft pick. You got Josh Jackson, the former second round pick, Jace Whitaker, who manages to make this team or at least be viable as a practice squad player. But that's just not enough for me going into week one facing the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's start with the unknown
1: before we get to the known. The unknown, the big question mark, underline it, is Antonio Hamilton. What happened? What's going on? What is the near future? Based on the head coach and just what we know in terms of the body language and how he's answering the questions, I'm not counting on Antonio Hamilton against Kansas City.
0: He told you, Andrew Stanton, when you were asked about a postgame, quote, unexpected situation. Yes. So that portends and forecasts a longer
1: type deal than I think we anticipated because if it was going to be more of a short term, I think he'd work that into the answer. Not unlike a Colt McCoy, who's expected back. Uh, not unlike a Jonathan Ward, who's called my, you know, He'll give you a little hint or a tip yeah. that it's, it's minor or it's major. And this one, I think the absence of information indicates it's more major than anything. So if you're going forward without Antonio Hamilton, which is a dire situation because you're already thin and he had just become CB2, then your starters obviously are Byron Murphy. You don't have the luxury right now of putting Byron Murphy inside. He's going to have to be outside. And then Marco Wilson, who gave up a couple of catches to start the game in Tennessee, against, including one big grab against Robert Woods. So that wasn't exactly confidence building. And then behind him, a Josh Jackson, a Christian Matthew. You know, Christian Matthew's really raw. Has he shown up as a seventh-round rookie out of Valdosta. Maybe exceeded expectations? Absolutely. But you're going to let him go out there against a Patrick Mahomes in Week 1? I think not. So with that in mind... This is where a bold move has to be made. And, and can you is it realistic to think you could trade someone at the back end of a position room that's loaded, like an Eno Benjamin or Andy Isabella, and get something of value in return when it comes to cornerback, one of the most coveted positions in the NFL and the most difficult to find? I think not. And this is where my hot take comes in. Are you forced to trade a player of value to get a corner? Are you forced to trade, oh, I don't know, with the emergence of a Greg Dortch and Annie Isabella? Is Rondell more expendable? That is the definition of a hot take, ladies and gentlemen. And then let's take the number four and let's double that. You are, have a lot more talent in the outside linebacker room than you er, first thought. Marcus Golden is 31. How much money does he want? Have you reached an impasse? Didn't he tweet something out today about you got to stand for something or you'll exist for nothing. There was some sort of cryptic tweet that he sent out the day of this recording, Gree. And he hadn't sent anything out since August 1st, where he also made it known that he thought he was underpaid and undervalued.
0: Here is the exact direct tweet from Marcus Golden, who hasn't tweeted from his own account since August 1st. Which is also the last day he practiced. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Three exclamation points. Now, read into that what you want, but yes. Okay,
1: I will. Thank you for asking. Maybe one last final offer was made by the Cardinals, who reportedly are 17 million under the cap. But really... Feasibly, they're about $10 million under the cap because teams usually keep about $7 million or so just for emergency situations over the course of a regular season. So Marcus Golden, is he deserving of more? Absolutely. He's being paid less this season than a Dennis Gardeck. So yes, Marcus Golden is, de- but how much does he want? How much are the Cardinals willing to pay a 31-year-old pass rusher? So for that reason, Craig, is it really that radical to think, you have a serious need at corner. And if you have to give up something or someone of value, a name player, could you also put Marcus Golden on the trade block and see what he might fetch in return for a corner?
0: Wow. Had not even considered that a possibility. But that's why, Paul, you bring the hot takes because you're able to think outside the box for the betterment of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, when you have three-plus hours on a team playing <laughs> on the way home, maybe
1: it's too much time to think, and maybe you're dangerous to yourself and the listeners, to so fine listeners here are covered, too. But I'm just throwing that out, uh, thinking out loud, literally – as to what I was considering on the way home from Nashville, because you have to figure out the cornerback position, and that was reinforced, was it not, by what Cliff Kingsbury said after the game in our post-game interview.
0: Something that they needed to go outside and look for. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, the head coach did drop that bit of knowledge on the broadcast on Saturday. Last position group, and this is nothing against Matt Prater, Andy Lee, Aaron Brewer, but your three special teams guys, they're, they're fine. We saw a Prater kick. Yep. We saw Andy Lee boot the ball in Tennessee. I've got no issues with any of those three. But the safety position, is this a room where maybe you go a little bit lighter and you're counting on Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson to continuously be available, meaning they're playing every single game on the field for darn near every single snap. But Charles Washington, James Wiggins, a couple of special teams players, maybe you go with three or four. Maybe it's a, a little bit lighter of a room just based off of Buddha and JLT being on the field as much as they are.
1: I'd love to know the chest injury situation with Charles Washington. That, that, that is an unknown, and he is a very valuable guy on special teams. And based on what we saw in this preseason, he's definitely a better tackler in the open field than a James Wiggins or a Deontay Thompson. I would not be surprised if those two young guys are in trouble. I just it once again. If you're going to save a spot, just like defensive line, I think safety could be the area you save a spot. You have that reliability, knock on wood, of a Jalen Thompson who played the most snaps of any Cardinals defender a year ago. A Budapaker, an All-Pro safety. Those two guys ain't coming off the field, okay? So that Isaiah Simmons is considered yes. a safety. So with that in mind, James Wiggins, he had a couple moments against Tennessee. He had a big hit. You know, he had the interception off off the deflection, but he also had a lot of missed tackles in those three games. And and, and I don't think Deontay Thompson did anything that screams he's got to be on this team. So depending on where Charles Washington stands, uh, once again, I I really do think they go lighter in the safety room because uh, they're loaded elsewhere.
0: The only time I uh, noticed Deontay Thompson during training camp is when Buda Baker wasn't playing or Jalen Thompson wasn't playing. All of a sudden – Number 22 is getting some reps with the first team. And, that, and that's where it becomes, hey, he's a great backup, but because of the availability and durability of the two starters, there's just not a lot of defensive reps for a Deontay Thompson. That goes, okay, so if he's active, what's he doing on special teams? Hey, I'm not
1: sure that those two guys weren't outplayed by Tay Daly, the undrafted rookie out of Virginia Tech who, who had that pick six against Malik Willis in the joint practice. He housed that, and he's a popular guy. Guys mobbed him. Uh, His tackling was pretty good. He's got some pretty good size. He's nearly 6 foot to over 200 pounds. Honestly, I'm not sure that 48 didn't go out there and outplay 38 or 22, Tate Ailey.
0: Did get did get shaken up at that last play of yep. the that's true. game. Yep. And I believe it was Darren Urban who noticed that he was had his arm in a sling oh, post game. Right. So yep. just you know, just yep. and when we're talking about injuries, that's one yeah. of those Tay Daly, if you if you like what he can do, then all of a sudden maybe it's more of those development type of players because youth is always served in the National Football
1: League. Hey, just like offensive line, if there's a veteran safety who's released, who's who's among those final cuts and is out on the street and is sitting there on waivers, I would not be surprised if the Cardinals go after a veteran backup safety off the street.
0: Well done, Paul. I think we went through every single position. Now the question is just how accurate are we when we kind of go position by position and trying to figure out the best 50 because if you add the three specialists, that makes it 53. But the best 50 is at 25 offense, 25 defense. You go heavier on offense because of the nature of the quarterback and the head coach, and you want to be able to put points on the board. I'm really interested to see what this team is going to look like. Maybe not this week. Next week, game week, when you kind of get through the first wave of cuts. Anyone get claimed? To your point about trades, is a player acquired? There's still a lot of moving parts even after Tuesday's 1 p.m. deadline.
1: What's the stat that the Cardinals has spent the second most money in the NFL on their offense? Correct, that's correct. Top three, at least. And their bottom three in spending on the defense. So when the final 53 comes out, if it's weighted towards the offense, as you mentioned, then it makes sense because that's where the expenditures are. That's where the financial investment is currently constructed. So I would not be surprised by any of that. And look, when you look at the Cardinals' defense, my last thought would be, because I know there's a lot of concern, right? There's a lot of the Red Seas gripping out there about the Cardinals' defense, and, and we've seen like DVOA where the Cardinals were top six a year ago in the final standings of DVOA, and now they're like forecasted to be 28th or something like that. There's The expectations are dire for the Cardinals' defense if you read the national media. I'll say this. I think the starters on this defense can ball. The starters can keep this team a playoff caliber team they start having injuries to the defense the depth is thin and and that that would be problematic but if you're telling me you roll out there with 99 and 94 J.J. Watt and Zach Allen and both those guys have looked really good so far in camp you have your collection of edge rushers Gardeck oh man was he given the Titans offensive line issues in, in camp you know, if Marcus Golden's back in the fold, and then you have two, the best safety pair you think in the NFL, and, and at least Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, okay, all right, you know, you're, you're viable there, you think they were able to. Look, Marco Wilson came out a year ago, and, and as Wolf said, he was getting attention as a possible rookie of the year candidate 10, 12 games into the season. And then it just fell off from there, whether it was rookie wall or otherwise, whether he's been yet to recover from whatever was ill and ailing him in the end of last season. But. Once again, I think the starters on defense, it's realistic to think you could be a division champion. You start having injuries, look out.
0: And if it's injuries at a specific position where they get banged up more so, and then all of a sudden it's a revolving door at cornerback or defensive line, edge rusher, you don't want it to happen, but you got to be aware of it. But I like your point. The starters, your your top 11, I like On defense. Now you go beyond that, and then all of a sudden that's where issues might pop up.
1: You know, you're not like the Rams. You don't have three future Hall of Famers at each level, and Aaron Donald, and Bobby Wagner, and Jalen Ramsey. But once again, look at the rest of that Rams secondary, for example. They lost Darius Williams. They got a lot of nothing in that secondary beyond Jalen Ramsey. And I get it. You know the top fifty or the top forty of, of the NFL one hundred players list. I think the Niners have five players. I believe that's correct. Yes, right. The George Kittles of the world and the Debo Samuels. I get it. And, and and Nick Bosa. Okay. And Trent Williams. Right. All legit. But if you don't have that quarterback, where exactly is 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 it realistic? Where's your top end in terms of being able a win loss record this year there? And and then we all know. That the Seahawks, the last place Seahawks, you know, tank not a tank when you name Geno Smith as your starting quarterback.
0: By the way, Paul, before we close up shop here on Cardinals Cover 2, I need to say congratulations first and foremost here on this Monday. You survived Nashville. I feel like I made the 53,
1: honestly, because, you know, there are a lot of those people in the Cardinals travel party and people know who they are. (laughs) Darren Irvin. That uh, may or may not have been in a karaoke bar and then may or may not have lived to have told about it. At least, um, you know, may or may not be at work on this Monday after the Nash Vegas trip. So, um, you know, you need two hands to count all those who who didn't survive. Uh, agree yours truly you know paulie preseason no moss i'm right here i'm ready to go regular season around the corner and and i'm thankful that the right choices were made during the week in Nashville. I'm just going to leave it right there.
0: Well, let's bring it full circle. The right decisions (laughs) made because decisions is the word of the day here on this Monday. Like like Sesame Street, (laughs) we're brought to you by the word decisions today. Yes. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almahundro For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk you next time here on Cardinals Cover
2: 2.